How many times in your life has that light bulb gone on over your head and you thought, that's it, I finally invented something. And then you go and Google it and find out someone else had already done it. That happens quite a lot, but every now and then, someone comes up with a totally new idea. And it's for something that everyone will want. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy. This week, how a simple device designed in Cork might save your life. We talk about shared working spaces and how they can help startups. There's an infinite amount of distractions. And, you know, they're not just because you can Facebook in your pyjamas and stuff. And later, how we will have to wait a little longer for those direct flights from Cork to New York. The doors firmly open for, for Cork to New York, uh, and over the summer we'll have a, a better idea of if it's possible and when we might be able to launch it. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Combine all your lines of communication and simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Uh, what's that? What's that thing you're working on? Well, it's a light bulb and... A light bulb! Light bulb! Yeah, I invented that. Me! I'm Thomas Edison. I invented the light bulb. Uh, what's it do? It lights up a room using electrical... Lights up a room using electrical stuff. I was about to say that because I invented it. Uh, what are you working on? It's a phonograph. Phonograph! I knew that because I invented it. I'm Thomas Edison. I rule! Family Guy's take on inventors there probably a little unfair on Edison, but we begin this week with the real McCoy, a bona fide inventor. Sean O'Toole's new product has been making headlines recently. He's only 28 years of age, but has done what most entrepreneurs can only dream about, inventing a product that all of us will want in our home. In fact, after I met with Sean, he posted on Twitter, it's a good day when you nearly sell your entire year's projected sales in one day think we can all agree that would be a pretty good day. His company is called Firemole and it promises to bring fire detection to the point of ignition. There had to be a story as to why he started there. So the idea originally came from when a incident in my own home where the fuse board nearly caught on fire. Um, I went out to see why the lights started flickering in the house and saw the front of the fuse board had melted. And I couldn't turn the power off because the main switch was melted. So I knew with my electrical training to go outside and pull the main ESP fuse, which shut the power off to the house and stopped the heat from generating within the fuse board. And we were lucky in this instance. Um, there was no major damage done. But for other people who wouldn't have known how to respond in that situation, it could have been a lot worse. Let's talk about how that started the wheels turning in your mind uh, and you got to the position where you came up with Fireball. So what happened next? Uh, so I went to, I started developing it with an electronic engineer. Um, he kind of streamlined it for me because I come from an electrical background, but electronics wouldn't be my thing. Um, so he streamlined the device for me, uh, pitched it to Enterprise Ireland's New Frontiers program. Uh, they liked the idea, so they put me on their six-month entrepreneurial development program, which is based in the Rubicon Centre. And that kind of gave me a nice polished business plan, uh, gave me mentorship. It gives you some initial seed funding of 15,000 euros to kind of keep you going keep you going over the six months. Um, and from there, I've just been developing it the whole time. And Okay, that's the that's the, the how. Uh, the, the why, though, is because you, you identified that there is a big risk in a lot of our homes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
The fake charges are a big issue, but even the genuine ones can cause a, a problem. As well. Apple have had to recall millions of their charges over the last number of years. HP currently have recalls ongoing, and so do uh, Microsoft Surface Pro power cords, because even though they are genuine, things can still go wrong. Um, so people need to be cautious of using charges, because anything that draws a current or has a transformer in it will generate heat, and if it's not taken care of in the proper way, it could potentially start to fire or cause an injury. Yeah, let's face it, we all leave our chargers plugged in for too long, a lot longer than advised. And a lot of chargers are knockoffs, replacements we bought when we lost the original or slammed in the car door or whatever. Sean says leaving them plugged in, it's not a good idea. The charger will still draw current even if there's nothing being charged there. Now it won't be drawing the same type of current it would be while it's charging the device, but I would definitely recommend plugging out everything that... that isn't in use and if you're not in the vicinity I wouldn't be charging it at all. And of course we all charge our phones overnight as well because they drain so much battery we leave them charged in for however long we're asleep, 7-8 hours, that's not great either is it? Yeah so I mean we talk to a lot of people and over 95% of them charge their phones overnight um, and th the thing about Firemole is that you can attach this to your charger and if it does detect a high temperature during the night it will sound an alarm and hopefully wake you up so you can deal with the situation. So that brings us to Sean's new product which is annoyingly simple. There's an inbuilt alarm in the device, so once it detects a temperature over 54 degrees Celsius, it sounds the alarm and alerts you to the, to the problem. So give it a blast there. So in other words, if you're asleep, you hear that noise, you think it's your alarm clock, try to turn it off, but it's actually this alarm. It's the alarm that's built into the device, yes. So. And what temperature does it have to reach before it goes off? So it goes off at a temperature over 54 degrees Celsius. Now the reason for that is from our testing, some chargers can get to about 50 degrees and that's when we've covered it in blankets, which is not a safe thing to be doing. Um, but the other reason is that human skin tissue can be damaged at temperatures around 52 degrees also, especially in younger children. So that's the reason and one of our key selling points to parents is that this is a device that can prevent injuries to, to smaller children. What I really like about Sean and Firemole is that it's that rarest of things, a brand new idea. There's absolutely nothing like this on the market right now and as a result he's getting a lot of interest. This is a technology that you want to migrate into these plugs in future so that it's a, a genuine plug, a genuine product will want something like this in it. Is that where you see this going? Absolutely. I mean we've got a lot of products in the pipeline, um, things that I can't talk about too much at the moment. Ah, go uh, on, dude. there's <laughs> only a few people. Uh, it could cost the company a lot of money in a few years' time, so I'd prefer to keep it under wraps for now, but we def definitely do have some exciting stuff coming through the coming through the works. Firemole isn't ready for sale just yet, but if you are interested in buying one, you can pre-register your interest on Sean's website, firemole.com. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Want to simplify how you work? Combine all your lines of communication with Vodafone OneNet Business. Firemole is just one of a number of startups I'm going to feature on Red Business in the next few weeks. And if you want to tell us about your next big thing, don't forget you can drop me an email at any time to redbusiness at redfm.ie. And we'll stay with startups for this week's top five. DC Cahalan has been involved in a fair few. Cue Top of the Pops music and the top five tips for people starting out in business. At five. When you start off a business, you can get massively excited about the whole thing. You need to actually take the time to sit down and plan out where you're going to go with it because otherwise the adrenaline will just keep you going, but you won't actually be heading in any direction. At four. You need to always be conscious of cash flow. There's a huge difference between the spreadsheet that you put together with money in and money out and how much money you actually have available right at that time. 
Um, the thing that kills 90% of startups is running out of money even when they have money owed to them. Three, I think you need to think very carefully about your marketing. A lot of people run very quickly towards Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat and all this. But what they don't do is they don't know what they're trying to achieve out of it. Achieve out of it. So you need to come up with what it is you want your social media to do for you before you actually start acting on it. At two, business is all about people. It's all about relationships. Um, email should be the last resort, not the first port of call. You should, you should try to get somebody on the phone or get time with them face to face first. And if that can't work, then, go, then email them. And the number one top tip for people starting out. I think the most important thing to remember when you're an entrepreneur is that you're not doing it, you're not the only one doing this. There is so much help out there available to you. And in particular, um, in Cork, we, we love helping each other out. So you're not discovering problems for the first time. So as an entrepreneur, you have to be brave enough to approach people and kind of say, listen, you've been here before, you've had this problem. Can you give me a bit of advice on it? DC is an all-round good egg who is actually in his own startup phase with Republic of Work. You might have heard a little bit about it. It's a shared workspace on the South Mall. Coffee on tap, lots of meeting space and lots of companies at various stages of development within its walls. DC thinks co-working is the perfect environment for startups. There's an awful danger that if you start a business and you're, you know, you, you look at the we'll work from home because it'll be cheap thing. And you know what the thing about working from home is? There's an infinite amount of distractions. Um, and you know, they're not just because you can, you can Facebook in your pajamas and stuff like that. There's just an awful lot going on in a home environment. Whereas when you come, like it's that very thing of, the, you know, if you have to make the decision to get up in the morning and come to work in either in your own office or in somewhere like Republic of Work, like that's half the battle starting off. And then when you get in here, I think the very nature of that you're in here with other people you know, it's a great motivator. You know, you're seeing how other people are progressing their businesses. And, you know, it gives you that little kind of um, little bit of a push to kind of go, God, you know, that guy came in here at the same time as me. He's just added a new employee. You know what I mean? Where am I going with my business? The co-working idea is a new one to Ireland, but it's it's happened in other countries, particularly the States before. In fact, it's big business over there, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's huge business. But but it is. It's. I mean, it, it, co-working is around 10, 12 years at this stage. But it, it it started, you know, a lot of it actually started in the kind of artistic world where it was, you know, a bunch of artists who couldn't afford a space got together, basically, you know, just got a space and split the bills five ways or whatever between the five of them. But, I mean, co-working, like, if you look at the last three or four years, you know, we're into one of these hyper-growth periods where, like, every year the number of spaces worldwide is doubling and tripling and quadrupling. Um, the biggest player in the world, a company called WeWork, who have 140 spaces worldwide, they've built them all since 2010, and uh, they have a market cap now of, I think, about 22 billion. Like, I was reading last night that they're announcing that by the end of the year, they'll double their number of spaces. And they're, you know, we're kind of 20,000 square foot here. Their smallest space worldwide is about 70,000 square wow, foot. Okay. Big. Big, big Maybe. business, yeah. Are you going to see more of this? Do you think that there's going to be more Republic of Work or indeed competitor businesses here in the years to come? I do, I do, because I think you see the seed change. A lot of people look at, look at co-working spaces and they think startups, but the actual seed change is happening right at the top in that like big corporations, they're, they're starting to build all their business now around the ability to be able to scale rapidly. And if you're a, a big operation like... Uh, IBM, KPMG, Microsoft, who are all big proponents of co-working, 
The big challenge for them is if they decide tomorrow that they want to get into, if they decide tomorrow they want to open a radio station, they need to be able to kind of get 100 staff together very quickly, kind of run an experiment for six months on whether it works, and then ideally if it doesn't work, shut it down. And the great thing about somewhere like co-working spaces is they know what the cost, they know what the real estate cost for them is. Whereas if they had to go do it themselves, suddenly they're into long-term leases, they're into paying electricity bills, they're into paying Wi-Fi bills and all that sort of stuff. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Teams work better when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. It's always a good time to roll out old blue eyes, but this week particularly so, because transatlantic flights finally take off from Cork, and they have been a long time coming. For at least as long as I've been alive, it's been talked about and talked about, but never happened. Neil McCarthy is the chief executive of Cork Airport. It's a pretty big week. It's a huge uh, significance for the airport. The airport was started in 1962 uh, and Transatlantic has always been a market that we've been at. Uh, and so this year we have two carriers starting. We have Wauer are starting this Friday through Reykjavik on to 10 North American destinations. And we've Norwegian Air starting on the 1st of July into Boston, Providence. Uh, so this week starts it all off. Uh, wow are starting into Miami, Montreal, Washington, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Boston, Pittsburgh, Toronto and Chicago, all via Reykjavik. Uh, fares are starting from 60, uh, from 69 euro uh, one way into Reykjavik um, and all the way to Miami, uh, for example, 139 euro one way is the starting price. So there's great value to be had uh, on North America from Cork. Washington is selling very well, which we didn't expect, uh, but there's a lack of direct services into Washington. And so people, there's demand there that isn't being fulfilled. So we're, we're seeing um, good demand in terms of outbound uh, into Reykjavik. A lot of Irish people want to go to holiday there and onwards to the States. And we're seeing each of the US destinations, obviously New York and Boston selling well and surprising ones like Washington also selling well into Cork. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Wow doesn't really offer flights to the US because you have to stop over in Iceland and then get on another plane. In fact, a little birdie tells me that Wowair have been somewhat surprised at the take-up from Cork to Reykjavik, never mind the onward connections. For the start of direct, direct flights, if we can call them that, we have to wait a little bit longer for the arrival of Norwegian, who are another new operator to Cork. Stuart Buss is their spokesman. Yeah, interesting name considering he works in airlines. But how are the tickets selling, Stuart? Well, we've seen a huge response for, from from passengers across Ireland and in Cork in particular. Um, tens of thousands of tickets have been sold, um, and we're, we're all very much waiting for the countdown to the new flights to begin. Uh, tens of thousands. Is it is it meeting your expectations? I think it is. I mean, it varies across routes, as you'd expect, but certainly from, from Cork in particular, there's been a, a huge demand. You, you know, Cork has never had a transatlantic flight in its 50-plus year history, so we were always expecting a significant demand, and, and so it's proved to be. So we're delighted with that response. Um, what I would say is there's still plenty more affordable fares out there uh, from Cork and from other Irish airports, so we encourage everyone to, to keep booking away, uh, and we look forward to seeing them fly this summer. Now, you'll remember Norwegian were involved in a battle with the airline unions in the States about flying from Cork and securing the appropriate licence. And when that row ended, a few people raised an eyebrow that it wasn't just Cork that Norwegian were going to fly from. On the same day, they announced flights from Dublin and Shannon and Belfast. Stuart says 
they are always going to fly from airports where they see demand. Cork and Shannon were always at the top of our list. We always look at the areas where either there aren't any services uh, or there's there's limited competition or limited choice. And, and Cork and Shannon tick those boxes perfectly. Uh, and we're delighted that we've been able to launch those routes including, of course, the first ever transatlantic flights from Cork, which was um, one of our top priorities. But other, if there were opportunities to fly from other airports like Dublin and, and Belfast, then, of course, we want to look at those as well. We, we, we have existing operations from Dublin, and it was a natural opportunity to, to, to build on those. Um, and from Belfast, you know, Belfast recently lost its only direct transatlantic links um, when another airline um, pulled out of the airport. So that created a great chance to, to go back in and, and offer new services that, that give people in, in Northern Ireland um, that, that, that new route that they desperately need. So, um, you know, the idea for us is to, to provide flights wherever there's demand, and, and we see demand at all of these airports. Norwegian had also talked about flying Cork to New York. I asked Stuart Buss whether that was still happening. Yeah, the door's firmly open for, for Cork to New York. There's, there's, there's two issues that we face that we're working through. Firstly, uh, the, the runway at Cork is a little bit shorter, and that does create some challenges for that New York service. The second thing, as I say, is that we these routes are going to be operated on entirely brand new aircraft that's never been flown before. And it's only when we get our hands on that new aircraft in the summer and we learn more about its capabilities and what it can do, that's when we'll have a, a better idea of what, what other routes are possible from Cork, including places like New York. So, as we say, that the door is firmly open to that that route, uh, and over the summer we'll have a greater, a, a better idea of, of if, if it's possible and when we might be able to launch that route. Yeah. So right now it's not in the offing, but could potentially be. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fair summary. Um, the, the priority for us is always the, the, to launch the first ever routes for a transatlantic route from Cork. Uh, we're delighted we've been able to do that with Providence. Um, but it doesn't stop there. If we're able to launch other routes from Cork, we certainly will do. And, and the door is definitely open to that New York route in future. The door is open. The runway's too short. The plane's not ready yet. Sounds like we're going to have to wait a little longer for New York. Does that disappoint Niall McCarthy? Yeah, the Norwegian issue to New York, there's loads of demand. So when we do market research... Uh, we engage Red Sea, who people know they do all the research for the government and the political parties. So we engage Red Sea to talk to our passengers. And New York comes out as the number one destination actually ahead of Boston. Uh, the challenge in New York out of Cork is logistics. So it's getting the right plane uh, to go the right distance with the right amount of seats. And so the Boeing Max um, is literally brand new. Uh, they've taken delivery of it in the last few weeks and they're testing it out. Uh, and so I think in, in the initial instance, it's not performing as well as they thought. So it's fine for Boston. Um, no problem at all in Boston. New York is further from Cork. Uh, so they're not that happy with the range and the fuel efficiency for New York. But uh, obviously there are other planes coming on stream. Airbus, uh, the European aircraft manufacturer, are coming out with an Airbus 320 Neo as well. Uh, Airbus 321LR. Uh, the NEO's in production, the 321LR is coming. Um, they all have longer ranges. Uh, so there's a number of options for operating in a Cork. Uh, we know once the market is there and once technology is improving that it's going to be fulfilled uh, probably in 18. Uh, so we're optimistic. So Cork will get its first direct flight to the US to Boston. We just might have to wait a little longer for the second one. And in the meantime, there's always Iceland. Take it away, lads. Grimmis <laughs> 
undan stórum steini, undan stórum steini. Yeah, I've no idea what that song is about, but it's nearly worth the plane for to ask them for a translation. That is it from the second Red Business. My thank you to all my guests today. Remember, Red Business at redfm.ie if you want to take part. The podcast go live every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. En þó leitir út um mó, auða hvergi lítur tó, hvað á hrafna veta, hvað á hrafna veta. Sálaður á síður lá, sauður feitur gaði hjá, fyrrum frá á verki, fyrrum frá á verki. Krunk, krunk, nafnar komið hér, krunk, krunk, því oss búin er. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Combine all your lines of communication and simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today.